0: Good. Excellent. Well, we are wrapping up our series. We've gone through seven different rules for self-discovery. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I hope you've uh, just, you know, got something out of it, maybe been challenged a little bit, maybe inspired about something. But we've just been spending a little time over the past, well, it's been six weeks, uh five weeks before and then today, just looking at and taking some time to dig into actually who we really are, who we really are. And it's been a journey of soul discovery. There's been some foundational work that I believe has has challenged us. And you know, I really do pray and I have been praying that actually throughout this series, each and every one of us has taken at least one thing that we can maybe apply to our lives and, and actually impact our Monday beyond the Sunday service. And you know, maybe it's just encouraged you to look at yourself in a new way, having gone through uh, this series. So today we're going to look at the final rule and that is uh, looking at what we laugh at. What we laugh at. I love this quote. It says, laughter is a mechanism that everyone has. It's a universal human vocabulary. We all have the ability to laugh. There's different languages and different dialects, but we all speak laughter the same way. That's cool, isn't it? We all speak laughter the same way. We can all laugh, but, but humour is subjective, isn't it? Humour subjective. I don't know what makes you laugh, Maybe it's your favorite comedian. Maybe you're uh, into your intellectual humor and it goes way over my head. Maybe you're into just a little bit of slapstick comedy. Maybe, I don't know, I like a good meme. There's all kinds of things that can make us laugh, isn't there? Um, But I don't think it's just me in the room who is guilty of schadenfreude. Anyone ever heard of that? No, schadenfreude. It's a German word that means pleasure derived from someone uh, let me get this right. Pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Anyone else? Or is that just me that laughs at this? It's definitely not just me, is it? And I'm not talking about someone who has like lost their job or going through a divorce or some horrible situation. But if you see someone in the street and they stumble that makes me giggle. I don't know about you, it makes me, as long as they've not hurt themselves, have a bit of a giggle. I don't know, maybe you see a parent playing with their kid in the park, and then the dad rips his pants. I don't know, that's going to make me laugh. When I was at uni, we used to do this thing, I say we, it was mostly me. We'd be walking through Manchester High streets and you know, it'd be busy, packed with shoppers, and I just love to do comedy trips. So I would just kick my heels and fall over, sometimes I'd just stumble a little bit, sometimes I would go flat on my face, just for just for getting a giggle. And you see people and some of them would be stifling laughter. Some of them would be like, is he okay? I remember doing it once when we went to Spain, just embarrassed Taya so much, tripped right in front of her, slid on the airport floor about three meters. Uh, I just loved doing things like that. It just makes you laugh, doesn't it? It's fun to laugh, it's fun to laugh. I don't know, back in the day, we used to watch every Saturday night, we watched watch You've Been Framed. Anyone watch You've Been Framed? Or that other show, what was it? Um, It'll Be All Right on the Night, with the guy with the clipboard. Never really understood why he had a clipboard, but he did. But we just love to laugh at other people's misfortunes. Fail compilations on YouTube, they are massive. We just love to, to laugh at other, well, I do anyway. Love to laugh at other people's expense. But humour is subjective. I don't think uh, our age, race or gender, uh, well I do think our age, race and gender actually play into what it is that we find funny. You know what my parents found funny is probably not necessarily the same as what I found funny and what I find funny is not always the same as what Ruth finds funny and you know it's subjective isn't it? But God gave us the gift of laughter and who knows that God's got a sense of humour. God has definitely got a sense of humour but as well as laughter he also gave us a deeper greater gift and that is the gift of joy. He gave us the gift of joy and while laughter might be subjective joy is objective. Joy is objective. Laughter is impacted by feelings, emotions, opinions whereas joy is led by facts. It's led by truth and unlike laughter, joy isn't based on age, race or gender. It's based on Jesus. It's based on Jesus. And Jesus is a constant. So no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing in our lives, we can all have joy we can all have joy you know I don't know where you're at this morning I don't know what you're going through I don't know what weight you're carrying as you came through those doors this morning whether you're enjoying the highs of a mountaintop season in your life or you're really battling in the lows of the valley you can have joy no matter where you are no matter what you're going through you can have joy It says in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Joy is not a sometimes thing. Joy is an always thing. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. We can have joy in any and all circumstances of our lives. Do you believe that God's got a promise for your life? Do you believe that God has got a purpose for your life? I do. I believe that each and every one of us has a plan, has a purpose. God has laid something out for us to do. And actually to get to that promise, to get to the promise that God has placed on your life, we need to go through a process. In order to get to the promise, you've got to go through a process. And that process isn't always easy, is it? If any of you have gone on a journey to get towards God's promise, that process is not always easy. But God says, I want to give you joy through it all. I want to give you joy through the whole process. Because joy isn't based on our circumstances. Joy isn't based on where we are at right now or what we're feeling right now. Joy is based on the constant name of Jesus. God says, I want to give you joy through it all so you make it through the process and to my promise and so today I want to look at the character of David in the Bible not one particular scripture but just more of an example of the character that he set and and who he is and his approach to life I love David I think he's a really inspiring character You know, he started off life as a a shepherd boy and then he went quite quickly into defeating Goliath, this giant. He was God's choice to replace Saul as Israel's king. You know, he was a man who was humble, who was full of faith, who was selfless, who was courageous. He's described as a man after God's own heart. But do you know what I think makes David stand out to me? It's that he had what the French call joie de vivre. Can you say that? Joie de vivre. You're already sounding more intelligent and romantic than when you first came in. Joie de vivre. We're having a a language lesson today, aren't we? German, French. But that literally translates as joy of living. The enjoyment of life. Exuberant living. Unimaginable joy. David had joie de vivre. Do you like my accent? I've been practicing that all week. (laughs) Let's read from Psalm chapter 16. It says this. So this is a psalm that David wrote. It says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones in whom is all my delight. You know, David is a man in touch with his emotions. Gents, I think maybe some of you can learn from David this morning. He's a man very much in touch with his emotions. I am in touch with my emotions. I am a weeper. I'm not ashamed to say it. I cry at a bunch of stuff, whether it's devastating news, heartbreaking movies, the John Lewis Christmas ad, although not this year. Have you seen it? It's a bit weird. Not this year, but previous years definitely had me crying. I've just finished reading Ruth's favourite book called Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. It's a novel based on Hosea and Gomer from the Bible. It had me in floods of tears. If you've not read it, read it. Or if you don't like reading, wait until January, the movie comes out. Um, But I encourage you, it's incredible. It's such a powerful kind of novel around this story, if you know it, of Hosea and Gomer. But yeah, it had me in tears. David was in touch with his emotions. He was absolutely in touch with his emotions and we, th- we see that about him through his writing in the Psalms. He wrote many of the Psalms and we can see just the emotion pouring out of him, whether it's joy or whether it's despair. You can just see all of this throughout his writing and loads of the Psalms are all about joy and thanksgiving. Let me just read a couple. Psalm seven seventeen says, I will give thanks to the Lord due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 117, one to two, praise the Lord, all you nations, praise him, all you people of the earth, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's fullness endures forever. You can just sense his, just his passion and his enthusiasm for his God. He just loves his heavenly father. But then others, uh, other psalms that he wrote, they express deep sadness and grief and sorrow. Psalm 6 says, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? I don't know what he was going through at this moment in time, but you can just feel the the depths of his his emotion, the the sadness, the grief that he is feeling. But but ultimately, as you read through the Psalms of David, what you'll see is, yes, he has highs of joy and thanksgiving and lows of grief and despair, but we see this beautiful balance throughout his Psalms where he's acknowledging his emotions. He's expressing the hurt and the pain that he might be going through through the struggles that he's facing at any given time and and he talks about those feelings to God openly but then he also recognizes God's goodness he recognizes God's faithfulness through it all and he worships his God with just a joy that comes from knowing his heavenly father it's this beautiful balance. And I believe the choix de vivre that David has is this joy of living is the joy that God wants to put in each and every one of our lives. He wants us to feel, to, to, to have, to experience true joy in our lives. I believe that there are certain benefits of being a follower of Jesus, almost like a, a club card. You get this membership when you join up and you can cash it in. And one of the things you can cash in on is the fullness of joy that comes from knowing your heavenly father. We can experience and we have access to unimaginable joy sometimes unexplainable joy it just it doesn't make sense in the midst of what we're going through or what we're facing but God can give us joy even in the lowest of times so ask yourself this morning do I have this joy of living do I have this exuberant joy in my life do you have joy And as we read through the Psalms of David and we look at the character of David and we see and we recognize in his life this joy that he kind of uh, just exudes from him. We've got to ask ourselves, where does this joy come from? Where does his joy come from? It comes from God. It comes from God because God is our source. It said in the psalm that we read earlier on that God, you are my Lord and I have no good thing apart from you. This joy that we have, it comes from God. It comes from God because God is our source. You know, when a natural response, when a worldly response would be sadness, would be misery, would be grief, God is our source and he can give us a supernatural, unexplainable joy. But we need to be connected to the source. We need to be connected to God. Let's just read this passage from John 15. It's very well known. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. When we're connected to the source, when we're connected to the vine, it says we produce Fruit. We produce fruit. And what is that fruit? I hear you asking. I'm glad you asked. In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, it says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit that comes from being connected to the source, connected to the vine. You know, if we were to sum up these three scriptures, Psalm 16, John 15, Galatians 5, in the context of what it is that we're looking at today, it is simply this. You can't have joy without Jesus. You can't experience true joy without being connected to Jesus. You know, when I go to bed and I want to charge my phone, I don't put my phone near to my charger and hope that I wake up and it's fully charged. I don't put it near to the charger. You can't just be around church and hope for the best. You've got to be connected into church. You can't just be near to godly people and hope that they will sharpen you and grow you. You've got to be connected to godly people. You can't just be around the things of God and hope that you can have some impact or that can have some impact on you. You've got to be connected to the things of God. Are you getting this this morning? We've got to be connected to the source, connected to the vine. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you can't see this and actually... You're not even seeing the promise of God on the horizon, let alone within reach. And so actually, maybe you find yourself right now just in a place where, do you know what? I'm just going to give up because I've been waiting and I've been on this process that we're talking about. And I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing the promise of God anywhere near to me. So I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to give up and go home and forget it all. But if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I know that the process can be hard sometimes to get to God's promise. That actually sometimes there is a really long wait to get to God's promise. And sometimes that waiting period can be incredibly challenging. And sometimes maybe even it feels like God has left you, he's deserted you, he's far from you, but that is not true. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But maybe if that's you this morning and and you can't even see the promise of God on the horizon and so you're thinking about maybe just giving up. Well, I want to say to you that that maybe that promise that God has put on your life is in this moment, it's just a seed. In this moment, it's just a seed. You know, Caleb, my eldest, is, is far too clever for his own good. And I was prepping dinner and, and I can't remember exactly what I said, but I referred to a pepper as a vegetable. And he quite quickly corrected me and said, a pepper is not a vegetable, Daddy. It is a fruit because it has seeds. And so we went on a bit of a journey to discover what other vegetables are actually fruits because they've got seeds, butternut squash, a fruit, avocado, a fruit, corn on the cob, a fruit, I didn't know that until this week, pumpkins, cucumbers, courgettes, I don't know, they're all fruit. Why? Because they've got seeds. And if you plant a seed, if you plant a seed and you take care of that seed, it will grow. It will grow and it will produce fruit. So maybe God's promise for you on your life, even though it seems distant, even though it seems almost out of reach, God's promise to you maybe right now it's just a seed and it just needs watering and it just needs taking care of and it just needs you to wait and to be patient and to be faithful because you're still going through the process. But as we go through that process, we will see that seed grow into the promise that God has for you. But let's just remind ourselves we've got to stay connected to the source. We've got to stay connected to the source and to not give up. And just to stay connected and believe that actually God will produce fruit from that seed that he has planted within our hearts. That he will produce a harvest from that seed that he has planted within us. We need to stay connected to the source, to the vine. And David knew this. We can see this through the David story in the Bible, that he knew that as long as he was plugged in, as long as he was connected to the source, to Jesus, that he would have joy. That he would have joy. Do you know David was... He was about 15 years old when Samuel called him in from tending his sheep in the field and anointed him as king over Israel. He was about 15 when God put the promise in his life. But at that moment, the promise in his life was just a seed. Because then it says he had to wait about 15 more years to actually see that seed grow into a fruit. 15 years to go on a process, to go on a, just a waiting season in his life, waiting, believing, trusting, staying connected to God, waiting to see the seed grow into the fruit that God had promised in his life. And actually, as we see through his writings, and we've already talked about it today, that he went through some highs and lows on this journey, this process of waiting. And he battled all kinds of things, but he knew that no matter how low he got, no matter how hard life was for him, no matter how many struggles or challenges he faced in his life, as long as he remained connected, he would have access to God's joy to his supernatural joy and you know another thing that we can learn from this process that David went through is that actually you can get to the promise but you can still have problems you can get to the promise of God but you can still have and be dealing with problems 15 years after being anointed as king, and he finally saw that promise of God come to fruition. But that didn't end all of his problems. It wasn't all rosy from there on in. Because we know that even as king, David became an adulterer and a murderer. But there was one thing that David was consistent with throughout, and that was that David was a worshipper. He worshipped his heavenly father. He worshipped God throughout everything that he went through, even though he became an adulterer and a murderer, a man that you would look at and go, how can he be declared as a man after God's own heart? And yet throughout all of that, he worshipped God. He worshipped God because he knew God's unconditional love and he was experiencing God's joy. Listen to what he wrote in Psalm 36. This is the message paraphrase and I love it it says this God's love is meteoric his loyalty astronomic his purpose titanic his verdicts oceanic yet in his largeness nothing gets lost not a man not a mouse slips through the cracks how exquisite your love O God Why did David experience this this exuberant joy of living? It was because he understood and he grasped hold of just how awesome our God is. And he stayed connected to him throughout everything, throughout the whole process. He stayed connected to the vine, connected to the the source of all our joy. In another psalm David writes that God can turn our tears into joy. Joy from God. This this true joy that comes from the living source. It's not situational but it's supernatural. And I know that there's some people here this morning who have experienced this supernatural joy, this joy where people on the outside looking at what it is that you're going through and seeing how it is that you're responding, even though you're battling with all kinds of struggles, you're still living a life that exudes joy. And that is this just unexplainable supernatural joy that can only come from God. Because it's not based on worldly feelings and emotions, but it's based on the biblical truth that God is good. That God is good. That he is for us. And if he is for us, then no one can stand against us. That he is our rock. That he is our hiding place. That he is the assurance of our faith and he is our eternal joy. The psalmist writes this in uh, Psalm 126. Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. Do you know, you might cry some tears on the process that you are going through to get to God's promise. But God can use those tears as seeds in your life to produce the fruit of the promise that he has placed on your life. Do you know, for me, this psalm, it really encourages me on a path that says, do you know what? It doesn't matter what it is that I'm going through. It doesn't matter what it is that I'm facing. It doesn't matter how hard life gets. I'm going to go anyway. I might have to sow some seed with my tears on this process, on this journey, but I'm going anyway anyway. I'm going to sing anyway. I'm going to shout anyway. I'm going to go to church anyway. I'm going to surround myself with godly people anyway. Through it all I'm going to stay connected to God. I'm going to surround myself with godly people. I'm going to draw around me people that will encourage and inspire and challenge me. I'm going to worship through it all. I'm going to shout through it all. It doesn't matter what life looks like. I'm going anyway. I'm going Anyway, and as we sow our seeds as tears, God will produce a harvest. God will produce a harvest. And here's something, it's not a harvest just for us either. We may go through this process and it causes us some some challenges, some difficulties, some tears might be shed. But after all that, those tears will turn into a seed that will produce a harvest. But it's not just a harvest for us. It's a harvest for the multitudes. It's a harvest for many people to be blessed. Just looking back at people going through hard times and still exuding joy that comes from God, this supernatural joy. Actually, when people look at that, when people look at you going through that and still worshipping God, still praising his name, still saying and declaring how good he is, that impacts them. That produces a harvest in their lives. It's a harvest for the multitude. And that can only happen when we stay connected, when we know that God is the source of all the good things in our lives. The joy Of the world is temporal, but the joy that we're talking about this morning is eternal. It's everlasting joy, and it can only come from God. Do you know, maybe some of you here have tried to find joy in other places. I know I have on my journey that we we try to find joy in other places, in drink, drugs, sex, in social media likes, in in, uh, peer popularity, whatever it might be. We try to find joy in all kinds of different places and I'm sure that you guys have too. But what we'll experience is that actually while those places might give us something that looks like and feels a bit like joy in the moment, it doesn't last. It might give us a sense of something that feels a little bit like joy, but it's going to fade away. It doesn't last. Nehemiah told the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, the joy of the world, it comes quick and easy, but then it fades away. But the joy of the Lord, it might take time. It might be a process and it might be a journey, but the joy of the Lord lasts forever. The joy of the Lord lasts forever. So I encourage you, keep coming back. Stay connected. Don't give up. Don't give in. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever battles and challenges you might be facing, whatever season you find yourself in, keep coming back. Don't give up. Keep praising Keep worshipping, keep seeking his face and you will get through and you will reap a harvest. That seed will turn into the fruit of the promise of God. When we go through the process that it's going to take, we will see and we will reach that promise. The joy of the Lord comes from being in his presence. It comes from being in his presence. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, life, life sometimes throws at us curveballs, earthquakes, life-shattering moments. And we can't actually control all that stuff. We, we have no control over what life throws at us. But we can know where our strength comes from to get through it all. Our strength comes from the Lord. James writes this ridiculous challenge he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds so don't just suffer through trials and challenges don't just kind of crawl your way through and hope that you'll soon get out the other side but he says count it all joy When you're facing darkness in your life, when you're battling with struggles, when you get that bad report, when you find out that your health isn't where it should be, when you look at your bank account and it is not in a good place, are you rejoicing? Are you counting it all joy? Because that's what James is challenging us to. And it's, I don't know about you, but to me, that is a challenge. That is a challenge. But he says, count it all joy, my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, every obstacle in our lives is an opportunity for God to show his strength. Every challenge in our lives is an opportunity for God to show us his strength. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So we don't need to be afraid of anything that comes our way when we're connected to the source, when we're seeking his face where we're putting him above everything else. I truly believe that God wants to bring joy into our lives, this joy of living, this exuberant life. God wants to bring our joy back. He wants to bring our joy back. I believe he wants to bring joy to the broken and to the hurting, that he wants to bring joy to those people who feel like their joy has been robbed from them for whatever reason. He wants to bring your joy back. And there's healing in his joy. Do you know, at Life Group this week, I heard some testimonies, and they're not my stories to tell, but just testimonies of God's goodness and God's faithfulness, where actually some people went through some incredibly dark and challenging times, but they were joyful through it all and actually through that process. Through that pain, through that hurt, they were able to see that the seed that God planted at the beginning then came to fruition at the end of the process because there is healing in his joy. There is power through his joy and we can experience joy no matter what it is that life is throwing at us. You know, as we've been going on this this journey these past six weeks, this journey of self-discovery, this foundational work, looking at the, the state of our souls, I don't know about you, maybe if you've been leaning into this series, maybe if you've been really digging into the challenging questions that have perhaps come up through this series, that maybe it's highlighted something in your life that maybe before we started you didn't recognise, but actually God's now showing you we need to do some work in this area. We need to do some work in your life, in your heart, in your soul right now. There's just this one thing right now, because I believe that's how God works. He doesn't look at us and go, oh my gosh, they are a mess. I need to just fix all of this stuff at once. He just focuses on one thing. And so my hope and my prayer throughout this series is that actually maybe there's just been one thing that God has highlighted in your life that he's prompting you and nudging you by the power of his Holy Spirit and saying, do you know what? There's this one area that actually could do with some work. And that takes some honesty and humility from us to recognize that, to acknowledge that and say, do you know what, God? Yeah, you're right. I'm not perfect, believe it or not. Actually, I do need some work. Even though I think that going on a journey to fix that thing is going to be painful and maybe it'll be long and maybe it'll be challenging. But actually, God, you've you've highlighted something in me. So let's go on a journey. Let's go on a journey to see this thing resolved. And then maybe as we come out of the other side, a better person, as we come out of this process, looking a little bit more like Jesus, that then he can say to us, actually, let's just go back now and. Let's look at another area because there's something else that I want to do some work in. And it's a continual process. And you and me both, we're on this journey with God because not one of us is going to be perfect until we meet him face to face. And so while we've got this time on earth, he's just going to do a work in us. He's going to keep challenging us. He's going to keep shaping us and molding us more and more into his likeness. And to me, that's amazing because God doesn't want to see us stay where we are. He doesn't want us to leave this building this morning the same as when we came in. He wants to change us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to shape us and mold us more and more into his likeness. He doesn't want, to live our li- he doesn't want us to live our lives behind this mask that Tozer talked about, this opaque curtain he wants us to step out from behind the curtain to discover the real us. And by the real us, I mean the us that God created us to be. The us that actually only God knows. Not even we know the fullness of our own potential, but God knows. And so as we step out from behind this mask, that we can recognize who we are in Christ. And we can continue on that journey. Because actually we can't move forward. We can't can't operate in our full potential if we don't actually discover or get a glimpse of who we are and who we can be in Christ when we're connected to him. And then finally, maybe I just wanted to tag this on that actually maybe there's someone here that that has discounted themselves from joy for whatever reason. You're like, do you know what? I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve joy. I am not worthy of this joy that you are talking about this morning, John. But I'm here to tell you, that joy is for you. That joy is God's gift to you. That actually when you connect into him, when you connect into the vine, when you plug into a relationship with God, you have access to this joy. And it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing or what you're going to do, you still have access to his joy. And he wants to give it to you as a free gift. So don't turn away. Stop running in the opposite direction. Stop putting up walls and barriers that say, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it. Stop denying yourself the gift that God wants to give you the gift of the fullness of joy, this true and perfect joy, this joy of living, this exuberant life that He has got planned for your life. Just connect to Him, turn back to Him, plug in to Him, put Him first above everything else in your life. And you will, I promise you, you will experience true joy. Amen. Amen, let's pray. God, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to go on this journey together this past six weeks. And I pray that each and every one of us has found by the power of your Holy Spirit, just something in our lives, one area that perhaps you just want to do some work in. And so, God, I pray that you will uh, humble us and, and allow us to be willing to, to go with you on this process, to go with you on this journey, to, to mold us, to shape us more and more like you. And, God, I thank you for the gift of joy. I thank you that joy is not subjective, but that it's objective, that God, it's based on the truth and the facts that come from the word of God, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you sustain us, that every good thing comes from you. And so we thank you for the gift of joy. And God, we thank you for the example that David gave to us, that actually it's OK to struggle, it's OK to feel down, it's OK to, to grieve, but we can know We can know that we can still experience true joy even through all of that. That you can turn tears into joy. And I pray that we will just stay connected to you. Stay connected to the source of all our joy. And I pray for those who have perhaps discounted themselves that are sitting here and saying, even still now, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve your joy, that God, you would break through that wall, that barrier, and just powerfully impact their soul and let them know just how much you love them and how much they actually do deserve your joy. And for those who have had their joy robbed from them, for whatever reason, That, God, you would bring their joy back. That you would bring their joy back. That they would leave this place just leaping and bounding and worshipping and praising you because you are good. You are good and you are the source of true joy. In Jesus' mighty name.